The SPFL Show, covering Scottish football across all levels. On the show today, we examine the potential title race between Celtic and Rangers, as I am joined by Jamie from the popular Celtic podcast, 20 Minute Tims, and we analyse it from the Rangers' perspective, as I'm joined by William from the very popular Rangers podcast, this is Ibrooks. When it comes to this season in Scottish football, lots of eyes are on Celtic and Rangers as Celtic go for 10 in a row. And why not get the view from two of the most popular fan podcasts as fan media, one, is growing, and two, they can offer an in-depth perspective as they watch both of those sides in-depth every week. As well as hearing from the guys from both Celtic and Rangers, I will be joined by Andy Ritchie, my regular co-host fortnightly, as we preview every single game in Scotland and, crucially, make our predictions ahead of the season. Without further ado, here is Jamie, first of all, from 20 Minute Tims, followed by Willie from This Is Ibrooks. Delighted to be joined by Jamie from the, the 20 Minute Tims podcast, a Celtic podcast that is very, very successful. They have their own Patreon site and I've got plenty of pals who are Celtic fans and they absolutely love the content so I'm absolutely delighted that you've joined me. Thanks very much, thanks for having me Callum. I love your podcast too, I've enjoyed it since it took off, I've been enjoying the, the, the very guests you've had on so no, I'm really pleased to be on. No, thank you for that and, and the obvious question going into the new season is as we're talking at the moment, a few days before the season begins, how are you feeling about Celtic going into this season? Mohamed El Yunusi staying at the club for another year on loan at least and that's a, that's a positive, but the the thing that is worrying a lot of Celtic fans at the moment, judging by social media and people that I speak to, is the goalkeeping situation. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's a great bonus having Moy signed on for another season. I think he's a terrific player. I think the benefit of a full pre-season with Celtic and, and a good run at it, not hampered by injury, I think he'll prove to be one of the better players, if not the best player in Scotland, outside, for instance, um, Odson Edward. But the goalkeeping position is an issue. You know, we're starting another season here with, with Scott Bain between the sticks. Now, I personally think that Scott Bain is a, a competent goalkeeper. He did a job for Celtic. He's touching on, if not bypassed the 50 appearances for Celtic since he came for us. But it's obvious he's not Neil Lennon's man. Neil Lennon has wanted Fraser Foster. Fraser Foster, the deal never came back. Um, and it looks like we're trying to target Barkas. The, the usual frustrations, though, you know, it's, it's difficult to criticise the club's transfer business because we don't really know how the COVID situation has affected things. Neil Lennon, on the face of it, has said that it's it's business as usual. So you, you sort of maybe need to take him on his word at that. But the fact remains that we're, we're coming, at, it looks like, uh, another Premier League season. We're coming in understaffed, to put it that way. The goalkeeping position is one. Centre half is probably one. When you're looking up front, we've got Odson Edward. Klamala, he's, he's did okay, he's come on a bit, but I think the drop-off in quality from Edward to Klamala to Bayo, who's completely out of the picture now, is, is too much to sustain if we want to continue on a league in Europe doubleheader next season. Um, Lee Griffiths, obviously there's question marks over whether he, whether or not he'll be back or can get back into Neil Lennon's good graces. So I, I think one thing that the preseason for Celtic has shown up is there is a lack of strength and depth and if Celtic are wanting to compete in all fronts, if they want to go for the treble and do Europe again, I don't think there's any doubt that we need to strengthen key areas and goalkeeper is certainly one of them. In terms of the goalkeeping situation, is the Fraser Forster deal, as you understand it, completely dead? Or do you think there's a chance that that saga as such could could go on and that it could have a positive ending? I, I'm starting to think that the, the issue with the Fraser Forster now is... The time's running out for Celtic uh, and Celtic need to make a decision. I'm sure if it came to the end of the window, Fraser Foster's position at the end of this transfer window is probably going to be much like what it was at the end of the last transfer window and that will result in him maybe looking to get a move elsewhere. Um, but Celtic can't wait for that. The season starts next week. Um, they've obviously identified other targets and they need to go get them. So I, I think it would be an extreme long shot if Fraser Foster was to end up back at Celtic, yeah. Joe Hart, is that something you think the club should pursue or are you against that? Not as against it as other people are. As part of what we do on our Patreon, we actually go out and we commission uh, professional scouts to go and find players 
for Celtic the way that we think Celtic might. And we had to look at Joe Hart and, and he ticked a lot of boxes. You know, if you look at Joe Hart's record, um, England international, I'm not sure off the top of my head how many games he's played for England, but he's played for Man City, he's played in the Champions League. His record is is great. His CV is terrific. But there's obviously question marks over who he is. Um, he was quite unceremoniously dumped out of Man City. But then if you look at it, you know, it took Man City a long time to actually replace him. They had to go out and break a world record um, to actually replace Joe Hart properly. I think Joe Hart's a decent shout. I think the stumbling block, as far as Celtic are concerned, might be wages. Um, he'd want to come in and he would definitely be the highest paid player at the club. I don't know if Celtic would stretch that, but by all means would not be against Joe Hart. Personally, I'm not as against it as some other people are. I think Joe Hart would be a, a good goalkeeper for Celtic. You look at the midfield area at Celtic, it's, it's very well stocked. There's, there's quality and abundance there. However, in the centre-half department, the club, in my opinion, I think, from the outside looking in, need another centre-back, at least because Simonovic has departed this summer. Is that something that you expect the club to, to do as a matter of urgency? Absolutely. I think that's the, that's the other key area, um, is centre-half. The three key areas for me are goalkeeper, striker and, and centre-half and they're all as important as each other I think, especially if Celtic want to rotate, you know, we've got El Hamed who can fill in at centre-half but there are questions over his long-term fitness um, he seems to seems to suffer a bit from, from niggling injuries, he had a bad injury last year and I remember Neil Lennon saying prior to El Hamed's injury, you know, I'm trying to figure out what the catch is with this guy, he's a great player but I don't know what the catch is, it seems maybe the catch is that he, he struggles when he picks up a knock um, question marks over Ayer's future whether he stays or goes I don't think it changes the situation that Celtic need to bring in a centre half Jack Hendry he's a sort of failed experiment he's moved on so no absolutely agree I think definitely no matter what else happens with the two centre halves we've got we need another one in there In regards to the striker um, there's been talk amongst people I know down here in Inverclyde about Lauren Shankland. Is he somebody you would consider as a backup option to Edward or do you think that's maybe putting too much pressure on him if he was to join Celtic? Well, I mean, you need to take a view on it and again, as part of the scouting process we did, we had a look at Lauren Shankland. Now, one thing that you need from Celtic's what you might call backup, backup striker. What we really mean by that is you know, there's no such thing as a first 11 when you play for Celtic. Celtic need 15, 20 players all ready to go, you know. Um, and we need a player that's going to come in, he's going to play league games, he's going to score against the rest of the league. If we need to rest up Odson Edward or Odson picks up an injury, we need someone that's going to come in and do it and no questions asked. And I think that a couple of things Celtic have found in the past is when they've brought in a striker from another league, they've maybe struggled to adapt um, to, to the Scottish game and the Scottish lifestyle. You just look at Kamala and Bayo, the two most recent ones, the best part of, I think, £6 million spent on those two guys and they've, they've not made the impact that you really want from a Celtic striker. So I think Lauren Shanklin would be a low-cost, low-risk addition to Celtic. Now, he's no glamorous. Uh, I know from doing our podcast that the feedback, you know, wasn't great. People think Celtic can go out and do better and I'm sure they can. I'm sure there's a player in the Austrian league or the German league that Celtic can pick up for a lot of money and would come in and do a job. But I think as far as Shanklin goes, he's low risk. He knows how to do it in the league. He's not a, he's not got a hot hand. You know, this is his second or third season where he's been scoring heartfuls of goals. So I, I definitely wouldn't be against it. I'd be against it if we sold Odson Edward and replaced him with Lauren Shankland. But as it stands, Odson Edward is Celtic's only choice for striker. So you, you might as well go and sign Lauren Shankland. And in terms of this season, it's a, such a historic season for the club, going for 10 in a row. Do you feel that there's more pressure on Rangers to stop 10 in a row rather than the pressure on Celtic to deliver it? I think I, I think there's absolutely a lot of pressure on Rangers to stop 10 in a row. Look, look, if Celtic don't win the league this year, they've still won nine leagues out of the last 10. You know, the Rangers can do all the cartwheels they want about stopping the 10 and obviously it will be a massive blow to Celtic to stop that. But... You know, the reality has to set in with Rangers that sooner or later where Stephen Gerrard needs to have something to show for all his work and all the money spent. He needs to have something, um, a, a trophy. He needs to push Celtic closer than he's been pushing them as of late. Um, so I think there's an awful lot of pressure on Rangers. There's no doubt that Rangers have spent money. You know, Kent, Hadji, they've got Defoe, they brought Davis back. They're not messing about. You know, they're, they're going out there and they're spending the money. 
So I think there is a lot of pressure on them because if Celtic win 10, you have to ask yourself, where does that leave Rangers? You know, if Celtic just go and blow this out of the water and do the historic 10 in a row, which I don't think will ever be repeated, what, what's the stop Celtic doing 11? You know, if Rangers can't challenge for 10 years, what makes everyone think they're going to challenge this year or next year? It, it just, it might not happen. And the, the, the big question, I suppose, is, even in regards to that, if Celtic do win 10 in a row, do you think that's a, a time where the club can prioritise Europe even more than they do now because they've completed the historic 10? Because I know there's been there's been chat recently, Roger Mitchell was, was speaking about this, I heard him saying that when the 10 in a row is sealed, where does Celtic go after that? Which, in a way, is a sort of strange question because ordinarily in football you'd want to win the league every year, but what do you think about that if, if the 10 in a row is delivered? I think you go for 11. I think you go for 12. If Celtic win... If Celtic win 10 in a row, the next target is 55. Because that's that's something that, you know, Rangers hold dearly this. We, we need to go and win 55 trophies. So if Celtic win 10 in a row, the next target is to get to 55 before Rangers. Um, as for as for concentrating on Europe, but that, that's something that you hear quite a lot. You know, a lot of pundits say, should they focus on Europe? But if you play that out, I'm not sure that holds much water. Because if you build a team capable of succeeding in Europe it stands to reason that if they're succeeding in that harder competition, that they're probably going to win the league anyway. You know? So, I, 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 the question is, is there another project on the horizon for Celtic after 10 in a row? I think maybe 10 in a row might see the likes of Peter Lowell step aside. I think 10 in a row might see the likes of Scott Brown step aside. Um, will Neil Lennon step aside for 10, after 10 in a row? I don't think so. Um, I don't know if there's a, a tact to change for Celtic with 10 in a row because I think what you want to keep doing is just keep winning because after 10 comes 11, comes a 12, comes 13 and then comes 55. Well, as you say, it's, it's, it's something that will definitely be interesting to, to watch as it plays out. Something else I want to get your, your view on is, is the Scottish Cup. There's been people saying they're happy with the Scottish Cup being played towards Christmas time, some people complaining about that. What's your view on that and how it could suit Celtic or do you think it, it potentially might not suit them because it's coming at what is traditionally a busy time anyway? Look, I think you just need to roll with the punches a little bit. Um, the, you know, the COVID thing, you just have to play the games when you can get them played. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. I know Christmas is a, a, is a typically busy time for fixtures and I know we don't have the, the winter break this season. But, you know, it's it, it's something to enjoy. The Scottish Cup at, at Christmas time, it's never going to be done again. It's going to be fantastic. So, no, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be an odd one um, to complete the treble. If Celtic do the treble, the treble from last season being completed this season. Um, but, again, Celtic could be champing at the bit to get this done because that'll be a quadruple treble. You know, it's, people sort of um, put this to the back of their mind that Celtic have won three trebles. They're going for the next one. I, I don't think Celtic inside the camp... It'll matter to them when they play it. I think it'd be an unusual one for Johnny Hayes because he's not cup-tied. So he's back at Aberdeen. He could be playing against Celtic um, if he gets picked, obviously, for that semi-final. But no, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's something I want to see Celtic do. It's something that I want to see Neil Lennon do. You know, Neil Lennon to win his own treble at Celtic um, would be fantastic. It would, it would be something that for, for Neil Lennon, as you've said, would be... I'm sure the, the icing on the cake for him in, in many regards, I know 10 in a row obviously will be the, be the big one, but for him personally, having had a spell in charge of the club, having come back into the club, taken over from Brendan Rodgers, getting the club over the line in the league in the Scottish Cup, I think you're right in terms of him having even more extra motivation for himself to make sure that he wins his own treble so that people can't use the, oh well, Brendan Rodgers had basically already won the league, etc. Yeah. before he came in. The very the big question, of course, I, I'm sure I know your answer to this. Will Celtic win ten in a row as we're speaking now? Are you confident? I think they win the league. I think what you know, all things being equal, um, I think Celtic have still got a lot more than Rangers do. And one thing that I think that Celtic have got is they know how to win, and and that is so so important. You know, you've got players like James Forrest, Callum McGregor, Scott Brown, and that Celtic team, even younger players like Christopher Ayer. These guys know how to win. They know what winning football matches feels like. They know what winning leagues feels like. They know they can't switch off with 10 minutes to go. I think that that winning mentality is so difficult to bring into a squad. It's so difficult to buy. You know, going out and buying a player that's been through it, that knows how to win. You know, these guys are expensive a lot of the time. And Celtic have done a fantastic job over the last nine years 
of nurturing these young guys that come through the academy and the squad or guys that they bought at a young age and, and, and make them into winners. And that has been the difference for Celtic. It was certainly the difference last year. You know, James Tavenier and his famous his famous programme notes basically said it. He goes, we crumble when the pressure's on and, and that's the difference. However, Celtic can't rest on their laurels. Um, Rangers, Rangers collapsed last year. They collapsed after Christmas. Who knows why? But, you know, if, if they manage to cut that out, if they don't have that post-Christmas collapse, it, it could be a lot closer. Um, so the key to it, I think, is Celtic need to strengthen. We, we can't stick with what we've got. What you and I discussed earlier on with the key areas they need to bring in. You know, the, the truth is the strength and depth isn't there at Celtic out, out with the first 11. The, the quality that comes in after that, as we've said, you know, Odson Edward gets injured, his replacement is nowhere near as good. If Elianusi gets injured, his replacement I don't think is as good. If Ayer gets injured, same again. So Celtic need to go out, bring in four or five good players, um, and it's really up to the club to put their money by the mouth. Is now all, all this talk of the ten, and that's the aim, and you know this is what we want to do. But well, now now it's now it's time to do it, and uh, now it's time to back Neil Lennon with the exact players he wants, because it's that simple. You know, if Celtic get in better players than Rangers, spend the money they need to spend, they've got a great manager and a great team, they win the league. It's no, it's not a mystery, it's not a trick. You know, there's Celtic know how to win leagues. Buy the better players, you've got the better manager, you know how to do it. Let's just keep it going. And just before you go, how can any Celtic fans listening um, follow 20 Minute Tims? And of course, how can they also get involved in the Patreon? Because some of the, the retro series you've got there, especially the new years, I know have been very popular and I'm sure that's something that all Celtic fans listening to this would love to get a chance to listen to. Yeah, thanks very much. No, you can just find us on 20 Minute Tims. Um, that's the 2-0 on Twitter. Uh, just search any podcast app for 20 Minute Tims. It's a silly name. Uh, the podcast used to be 20 minutes long. That's why it's called that. It's not 20 minutes long anymore, but we kind of changed the name now. Um, and all the details for our Patreon is there. You know, um, the people that listen to our podcast are really, really helpful. They support us and it allows us to do loads and loads of stuff so no the the weekly free podcast is 20 minute times just search for that on your podcast provider but thank you for your time and i hope that the season goes well for you and with the podcast as well it's it's been going from strength to strength for for a long time now and i'm sure that will continue to grow through to through this year where celtic go for 10 in a row as well so thanks for coming on i wish you all the best no and all the best to you thanks very much callum thanks for having me to be joined by William from the This Is Ibrooks podcast, a very successful podcast and blog that covers all things Rangers. First of all, William, how are you? I'm fine, Calm. How are you, Paul? I'm not bad at all, and and I have to have to start by saying it's just great to to football back, and we've got our fix of English Premier League football. But first and foremost, for yourself, being a massive Rangers fan, just just how exciting is it for you to have Rangers back playing competitive football? Oh, it's just brilliant. You know, it's been a long few months with, without Rangers in, in my life, to be honest. Um, a lot of the kind of off-field kind of things took over, you know, with the, the emails going missing and whatnot, and the, just the end to last season wasn't really the way we hoped it would kind of pan out. But, you know, it's great to kind of finally see this season kind of on our doorstep, really. Before we, we talk about this season per se... I want to ask you as a Rangers fan, you've got the best view in this because you watch the club every single week. What do you make of the Gerard era so far? For me, as an outsider looking in, he's clearly improved the club and that's shown by not only European performances, but league performances as well by getting closer to Celtic. Yeah, as you've just said, you know, the European performances have probably been the, the main thing for me. Um, it's... It's, it's hard to kind of say because I think if it was any other manager, you know, he's going to come under more scrutiny. And I think because it's Steven Gerrard, he's, he's kind of been given that leeway um, to kind of have a bit of time, build a squad. And, you know, he has he's slowly improved us, but I, I really think he's in last chance selling this season to, to maybe win something. It needs to be the league, though, for me. Um, but I've seen a few fans wanting to at least win a cup. The European ones have been been brilliant, you know, they've given us some great nights back at Ibrooks, especially after the, the disaster at Kashina and the, the bush at, in Luxembourg, you know, it's long days since then. Um, but I, as I said, it's it's really good to kind of, well, the improvement in the squad, it's, 
fantastic, to be totally honest. Um, he's brought us on leaps and bounds, but yeah, we need to start winning things. You mentioned the fact that the club needs to start winning trophies. You, you've already said this in your answer just there. The league is the priority. Is always really, let's be honest, it always should be for a Rangers side because they are one of the most successful clubs in Scottish football and across Europe as well. So that's always the aim. And going into this season, as we speak at the moment, how are you feeling about the league campaign and what do you think he needs to add to the squad? Oh, um, I always start every season so highly optimistic. It's unbelievable. And then around about January time, recently it's, it's kind of started crumbling for us. But um, I'm kind of... Um, I'm hoping we, we maybe go out and maybe add two or three more players. We definitely need somebody that's going to kind of start breaking down defences. Um, and obviously the main one right now is whether we're going to keep Alfredo Morelos or not. So if we keep him, I think we we just need another striker to come in there and just kind of take over Defoe's kind of uh, position as second choice now until he's back fit. But I, I kind of... I see Defoe maybe slipping to third choice, to be honest, depending on which striker might come. Uh, come in uh, if we've got anybody lined up or not I don't know maybe they're, they're going to just try and use Alfredo Morelos's money to get maybe a, a couple of strikers in you never know but I seem I, I kind of think the right wing position is somewhere we kind of need um, maybe improvement on we're kind of using Hadji as a kind of false 10 still uh, to me alongside Ryan Kent and I'm not sure when we're uh, set up with the th- uh, two defensive midfielders in the league and we're asked to break teams down it's not going to really work so I, I definitely think we need somebody that's going to split the, the lines <clears throat> You mentioned Morelos there uh, would you keep Morelos if you could or do you think it's maybe time to cash in if you get an offer that, that's around the 15-20 million pound mark? Yeah I think um, you know he's obviously a really good player, he's got so much potential but he's even spoke himself you know about wanting to get to a more competitive league. So I think maybe he's, he's maybe going to start stagnating if he kind of stays around the league much longer. Um, obviously in Europe, his performances last season, he's probably a bit disappointed he didn't get a move in January. But um, our position at that point, we were never going to really sell him unless it was crazy money. You, you mentioned the fact that crazy money would, would, would be needed to, to, to tempt him away. If he does stay, you mentioned the need for, for another striker. Now, this is me just thinking out loud, so feel free to tell me I'm total nonsense. But for me, Lauren Shankland is a, is a boyhood Rangers fan. And if he was to come in as a number two striker and you had Morelos, Shankland and Defoe, for me, that would be a, a front line and give you options that would, would scare most teams in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've not seen too much of a Shankland, I must admit, but he's getting rave reviews. But... He's not really, I don't think he's really scored many goals in the top flight in Scotland and that's maybe the only thing that would kind of hold me back for saying yes, but um, the little I've seen of him, I've quite liked him. I, I saw him, I can't mind who Scotland was playing, but he looked quite sharp up front. His movement was excellent, I thought, as well. Um, and, you know, if the, if the money was right, if he was right, I don't see why not. Yeah, well, absolutely, why not? It would be, would be my opinion on it as well, and and another player that has been linked a lot of the time, and again, it's interesting to get a, a, a true fan's perspective on it. Lyndon Dykes, are you, do you feel that he would be a good fit for Rangers? Or do you think his hype is maybe blown out of proportion because he's had two really strong games against Celtic? Um, as a, again, I've not really seen too much of Dykes, but I've seen him while he's played against us. I've seen him against Celtic. He kind of he tends to kind of drift to Julian. He likes that battle, I think. Uh, he likes kind of having the battle with defenders as well. He gets, he likes them kind of tight to him. He got in and goal against us as well, and he had a kind of a really decent game. He was unlucky not to score, to be honest, against us. Uh, I think it was the last time round. Um, but I think he could add something a bit different to what we've maybe already got. I think a lot of people see him as maybe being used as a target man. Uh, or a kind of bully, like a kind of the way Sam Cosgrove's used at Aberdeen, maybe that to kind of spice up a bit for us. But I mean, just going back to uh, Morelos for a second, it's we're all really overly reliant on Morelos and his kind of gameplay, and we've never really seen another striker come in and try to do something different. The force came in and he's still trying to play similar to Morelos. I don't know if it's maybe just a setup, 
but it doesn't really seem like it works an awful lot for Defoe. So I think, you know, maybe using his kind of power and he's kind of, he likes to ruffle defenders, maybe he could come in and, and do a better job than maybe Shankland um, if he was to come in and maybe help alongside Defoe and Morelos. In terms of the squad, we've talked about Morelos, we've talked about Hadji. Ken, who else do you think would would you refer to as one of the really the main men, the driving forces in the Rangers team at the moment? Well, going off pre-season, you know, Joe Arebo has been absolutely outstanding. He's been doing it so consistent. I think he's had a great game every time he's put on that jersey during pre-season. It's just why he's going to continue that into the season. Um, that's that was kind of something last season. You've seen glimpses of him doing things, and then he would shy away from games. But during pre-season, you've seen him going into tackles. He's no shy away from it, and the Rangers fans love that as well. If your players are going to go in full bloodied in for the ball and stuff, you know, it's just unfortunate. Obviously, the fans aren't going to be there to cheer it. But you know, Ibrox are up sometimes when a player goes flying into a challenge, just like as if it's a goal. Something that I want to get your perspective on. I mentioned this to. To, to other guests I've had on the show recently about the fact that there'll be no crowds for the start and then there could be as little as 10% in. I was actually, I actually strangely think for Celtic and Rangers, having 10% of a crowd in could be stranger than, than no crowd at all because you think of Ibrox, you think of Celtic Park, you think even of Hamden as well, if Scotland have to play reduced numbers, massive venues, massive arenas. I actually think with 10% it could be stranger than having none at all. What do you think? Yeah, I think you could be right, to be honest, because Ibrox is usually quite full. Same with Parkhead and that, as you've said. It's it's just such a strange time um, that we find ourselves in. I, I'm thinking to Saturday. I think, you know, going up to Aberdeen, that's usually a very tricky venue for Stephen Gerrard going into that fixture. He's only won once in Pododry. Um So it's going to be interesting to see if maybe the fans not being there is going to maybe play into our hands more than maybe Aberdeen. That's something that's a very good point because a lot of these away venues, as you've rightly said there, are, are difficult to go. A lot of people reference Livingston and Kilmarnock as tough places to go with the, the artificial surfaces as well. And going there without a crowd while on the team on could be a real advantage to away teams. I, I totally agree. And I've got to put you on the spot and ask you, what what do you honestly think is going to happen with Rangers this season? Do you think the club are going to win the league and stop 10 in a row? Or do you think it's going to be the cup competitions where where the trophy returns to Ibrox? Um, I'm not going to jinx us, so I'm not saying too much, but I'm just hoping we'll have as good a season as possible. And it's at least, if we don't end up running away with it, at least give as good a challenge as we can for as long as possible. Well, that's the thing that will be interesting. You referenced January. It's been a time that's been quite tricky for Rangers. I think they will get closer to Celtic this year and they, they could, who knows, they could go all the way. But I think, as you've rightly said, that Christmas period is going to be really key. But in a strange way, because of the way the fixtures are this year, it's not going to be an extended winter break. And that maybe will play into to Gerald's hands this year because I actually think when you look back at last season, the winter break came at the worst possible time for Rangers in the sense that when they beat Celtic, the momentum was with them. And you could see that the fans were united. You could see that Gerard clearly felt he was he was in a, a position of control where he, he, for the first time, really in his spell at Rangers, he had the, the, his destiny in his own hands and so did the players. And I think the break actually broke that up. So you never know that could be something that plays into Rangers' hands this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's happened the past two times where we've been in that fixture. Um, we've went, we've we've kind of done really well, and then uh, the, the winter break has totally killed all momentum, as you've said. It's something that, as I say, it definitely will be interesting to, to see if that has an impact. Because, as we've both just mentioned, in recent years, not having the break would, for me, suggest it would play into Rangers' hands. Because if they can go into, if they can win that game again, like they've done the last couple of seasons and then continue that momentum. You know what it's like yourself, that the longer a winning streak goes on, the more confidence is in in the whole squad. And just before you go, William, um, obviously we've talked about Rangers' hopes in the league, Europe, the Cups. I, I mentioned in my intro, this is Ibrox. Just just explain the concept of it and how Rangers fans listening to this can, can follow it because I've witnessed your work online and I think, I must be honest with you, I think it's absolutely excellent. Yeah, absolutely. It's a testament to the guys behind the scenes and and everybody that puts their face in front of the cameras as well for our, our YouTube channels. 
Um, you can just search us uh, at This Is Ibrox on all the kind of platforms. We've got Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Um, don't think I've missed any out there, but yeah, it's, 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 as you said, like there's a lot of good guys, you know. Um, Billy, Sam, shout out to them. They, they run the, the scenes kind of with the website and some of the graphics. Adam set it up. He does the graphics and that as well. Try to get him on the podcast, but he's not too too sure yet, to be honest. Um, then you've got Tommy, Scott, Martin, who are usually on the podcast. I come in every second week or so, just due to family commitments. Um, and then there's Ross, who does a, a few uh, blogs and a bit of writing. Um, I hope I've not missed them do it. <laughs> I think there's a few kind of people in the background sometimes um, help us with blogs and stuff like that as well. Willie Irwin, he's a a big help. He does the Rangers youth updates. I give him a shout out. He's really good with all the kind of youth players and that. He goes and watches them and he's really kind of into that side of things as well. So he's came on a few podcasts, gave us an insight into the youths, which is obviously it's really good because a lot of fans want to know who the next big product or big star could be. Absolutely, they certainly do. And it's going to be interesting to watch this season um, because there's so much going on in Scottish football at the best of times that it's actually great to have the football back. So I wish you and everyone at This Is Ibrooks all the best from your personal perspective with the podcast. And I wish Rangers all the best ahead of this season as well, because regardless of how it turns out, I'm sure it's going to be one hell of a ride. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a, a long season, maybe. Uh, you never know. But th- thanks for inviting us on. BFL show, of course, wouldn't be the same without my regular co-host, Andy Ritchie, we've had Jamie from 20 Minute Tims on the on the show today talking about Celtic. We've had William from This Is Ibrooks podcast talking all about Rangers hopes for the season. So it's left to Andy and myself to, to talk through each individual game this weekend and then, of course, get into the, the meaty subject of our predictions, which I'm sure will, will offend someone because somebody's got to win the league and somebody's got to get down. So we'll do our best. But first of all, Andy, you're, you're in a lovely part of the world where, where are you at the moment? Yeah, morning, Callum. I'm in the beautiful Donegal over here in Ireland. I've been over here for about three or four days now, and I'm having some downtime with my family. We haven't seen each other for such a long time now. Uh, so that's Wednesday I come over, uh, met back up again, and I'm having a very relaxing time over here. The weather's not as good as what you guys are getting back home by all accounts, but... Uh, it's keeping us in at the moment, but it'll not do that forever. But it's great to be back amongst family again. It certainly, it certainly must be because it's been, it's been a time where so many people have been away from families, and and as this is a football show, so many people, especially in Scotland, have been away from football. We've watched down south. We spoke about that on our last show together about the fact that it'll be interesting to to see when when our game's back. But it's finally here. We kick off tomorrow. Do you think? It's going to be strange without the crowds in the sense that the first game to kick off the season, Andy, as you know, is Aberdeen versus Rangers. Now, that game is normally a game with an incredible passion from both sets of fans. Both clubs aren't best friends, shall we say. But tomorrow, there's only going to be maybe a few hundred in the ground and obviously none of them will be fans. Well, you look at it that way. That Those were last season, the seasons before, keenly contested matches, as you said, Callum, you know. I dare say there's not a great deal of love lost between both sets of supporters because of previous circumstances. And that always added to the atmosphere eh, at Petaudry anyway. So yes, it will be it will be strange. Eh, I'm hoping it won't be too strange for the teams because they'll have been doing it pre-season anyway and getting ready for the game. So I'm hoping that they, they pick up the mantle very quickly in regards to that. And, and I'm sure it will be a competitive match, but I'm just hoping that the players are able to do that right throughout the full 90 minutes because first Saturday of the year, very important, but also as well in context of what's going to be happening over the rest of the season uh, is very important. And I think I mentioned that in our last podcast, they got off to a good start. You don't want to be lagging behind anyway at all. And I'm sure if they put that process in, it'll be good viewing for the the supporters back home as well, hoping that it'll be a good game, a competitive game, and we might see plenty of goals. When it comes to goals, Rangers have got two players. I've got Jermaine Defoe, who um, is getting on a wee bit in age, but still got the finishing prowess. 
they've also got Alfredo Morelos. There's been lots of speculation linking him with Lille and France. If it was up to you, Andy, would you sell Morelos if they could get a decent fee? Well, that's a $64,000 question. What is a decent fee? Callum, people have been talking about that and had conjecture about that for, for almost a season now in regards to <coughs> Alfredo Morelos. So, yes, I'm sure Rangers are looking along that road as well. If the right and proper fee comes in, you know, and there's been plenty muted from £8 million up to £25 million, pounds, but uh, without being disparaging, Rangers will have a fee upon Alfredo Morelos's head anyway. And if that fee is matched, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure, that Rangers would only be too happy to take that and reinvest in the team again because they're playing the countdown clock with Alfredo Morelos to October now. There is people out there with money to spend. There is people in this country, England, eh, and on the continent who would probably have money to spend coming up and it will run right through in October. So I, I, I believe even although Alfredo Morelos might start or will start tomorrow, he may not very well be there by the end of the transfer window. And on the transfer window, another player we need to talk about, Sam Cosgrove, because I feel really quite sorry for him in the sense that Aberdeen received a, a, a bid of around £3 million from a French club. He decided he didn't want to go and he wanted to stay at Aberdeen, which you would think is great news for the club. They're keeping their main man. Then we find out that he's got an injury and he could be out for up to four months now. Just how big a blow will that be for Aberdeen? That'll be a massive blow to Aberdeen right at this moment in time. It's always great come the end of the season, and I've been there myself, Callum, the end of the pre-season, sorry. Uh, when you get to the 23rd uh, before games, everybody stays healthy and everybody stays fit to give you that full squad and that full team for your first game of the season. You know, it's just the same as having any injuries in pre-season. They always seem to magnify themselves more than when the season's actually up and running. So that will be a big blow for Aberdeen. I'm sure about that. Uh, and I would imagine the same situation will apply to Sam Cosgrove as well. Call me an old cynic, but I've worked for many, many years uh, with agents and clubs at the start of every season. And any time that comes up that a player has knocked back such a good move, or it looks like such a good move for themselves and for the club, and been able to do that, makes me think that they may have other things through their agents on the horizon that appeal to them more. So I would think that that being the case for Cosgrove, he will be in the very same situation as Morales. It will be watch this space until October when the club, who he may very well have a preference to go to, comes in and tops that bid that the French club made. In terms of the game itself, we've talked about both sides there. We've talked about the fact there are going to be no fans. Score prediction, what do you think it's going to be? I think there'll be plenty of goals tomorrow. I'm hoping that's not the... Uh, the commentators kiss Callum, but I think we'll get plenty of goals up there, plenty of action. I think Rangers will win tomorrow, and I think they may very well win quite comfortably, but there will be goals in the game. Uh, they'll understand now that always playing 24 hours in advance is always a problem at any time of the season with the old firm. I remember many years ago when I was involved in uh, Vim Janssen's spell at Celtic Park, Celtic always always played the 24 hours after Rangers had played, which meant we were always playing catch-up at that time. And that caused a major problem within the dressing room. Uh, you spent all day Saturday watching Rangers' results to, to see what exactly you could get away with the following day. And that'll be the same, even although we're first game of the season tomorrow. Rangers come out of the trap, so will Aberdeen. But I just feel that Rangers may very well have more firepower the way they've started and played in pre-season that may allow them to to get in front tomorrow. If that happens, I could see them winning by maybe a couple of goals, Cal. I would have to say that I agree with you. I think Rangers will be too strong for Aberdeen tomorrow. And a few people have talked about this. I actually think for Rangers, not playing in front of a crowd will help them at first because there's quite a few players they've got that, for me, struggle when the pressure's on. We've seen that against Aberdeen in previous years. So I agree. I, I would go for a comfortable Rangers win as well. Next game, Dundee United St. Johnson. We talked about them in our last show. We've got Mickey Mellon, the new Dundee United manager. We've got Callum Davidson as the new St. Johnson manager. This is a match where I'm sure we don't really know what's going to happen in the sense that 
normally if Tommy was at St Johnston, we'd roughly know how they were going to set up. With Robbie Nielsen at Dundee United, we'd have an idea of what they were going to do. But because it's two new managers, for me, I'm going to go for a draw in this game in the sense that I don't really know what to expect. Can Lauren Shanklin step up and score in the top flight? I'm sure he can. For St Johnston, however, I don't really know what to expect in the sense that, by all accounts, they're going to go into the season playing 3-4-3 and try and be expansive. Can those players adapt to that very quickly? I'm not so sure, but it'll be interesting regardless. Well, we've had plenty of lead-in time between the two from the started back till, till tomorrow. This is two fresh new sheets of paper for both managers and for both clubs and for both teams. It'll be interesting to see it'll be a, a game that'll set a marker down for the rest of the season. Uh, home advantage no longer exists as far as this concerned. There is no fans in there, so it'll be a game off a level playing field. I fancy Dundee United might just win tomorrow, Callum, with what you spoke about earlier and we spoke about in the last podcast. Uh, and I also think that if Lauren Shanklin is to have the season that he would probably like to have, he would like to put his name on the sheet nice and early. Uh, I'll be interested to see St. Johnson under Callum, see how they go about it. Will there be any major changes? Because he worked with Tommy before. So what we might see again is what was on the tin, as they say, in the previous season. But uh, it'll be interesting all round. But I think that Dundee United may just shade it with three goals in the match. Oh, that'll be interesting to, to see, absolutely. And it's a game, actually, as I say, I'm looking forward to because of so many of the unknowns, especially with the new managers. Hibs Kilmarnock, for me, is a very tasty fixture for the opening weekend. Alex Dyer at Kilmarnock got some decent results towards the end of his caretaker reign. He's now in permanent charge there. And obviously, Hibs with Jack Ross, I think a pre-season for me is going to make Hibs a team to watch this season. I'm going to go for Hibs yes. to win this game because I really like Stevie Mallon at Hibs. I think if they can keep him fit and Scott Allen fit and, and have a strong defence behind them, I think those two guys can, can create plenty of opportunities. Kristen Doyd showed last season towards the tail end that he'd, he'd started to find his feet in Scottish football. And with Kilmarnock, it'll be interesting to see how they get on. A player we both know very well, Danny Rogers from, from Morton, is now... Now, in at Kilmarnock, between the sticks, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to his new surroundings and what a game to start it off as well. Sure. Yeah. Kilmarnock themselves have always been good starters over the last few seasons in the leagues. They've always got off to a good start. And I expect it the same again this season as well. Yeah. They look a very well-organised side, Kilmarnock. Difficult place to go to any time Easter Road. Always is, and... and, and with the players that Jack's brought in, we'll just see how quickly they can knit into the system that they have up there at Easter Road. I think I mentioned to you again, to go back to the previous podcast, that I'm expecting big thing, things from Hibs this season. Uh, I'm looking from their attacking options, and he certainly bolstered and boosted that through the time that we've had off due to COVID. Uh, so these, these two teams will be the spoilers for the Premier League later on when we're talking about it, Cal. They'll be the teams that the old firm won't want to go to visit for my taking. Hibs and Kilmarnock. But tomorrow, I see a very tight and cagey affair. The, the, the games that they had last season were the same. And they didn't have many goals in the games last season. I expect that to be a wee bit different tomorrow. I expect goals in this game as well. But I just fancy it'll finish a draw. I've went Hibs, you've went for a draw. The next game, I'm calling it as a draw straight away. St Mirren versus Livingston. I'll be honest with you, if this game finishes now and I wouldn't be surprised. St Mirren were hardly <laughs> St Mirren were hardly prolific last season. Livingston were capable of scoring goals, but they've lost a couple of players this summer, notably Ricky Lamy, who's, who's joined Motherwell. Lyndon Dykes is a player who all the eyes and spotlight is going to be on because... He obviously has been linked with a move to Rangers and others. For me, I'm worried that might distract him in Livingston, and that's why for me tomorrow I'm going for a goalless draw. Yeah, you're sticking your neck out there, eh? Taking <laughs> St. Bird for a goalless draw. Perfect. I think you've got a hidden agenda there somewhere, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I, I would find it hard to disagree with you because of previous Callum. Uh, but again, fresh sheet of paper for both teams again. They want to get off to a good start, no doubt about that. I think maybe Livingston, for what I'd seen last year, have better attacking options. 
Uh, and also just shade the defensive side of things a wee bit. I don't know whether the, the move from Ricky Lamy's move from there to Motherwell may very well affect him uh, at the back like that. I do expect a very cagey affair. I don't think there are two teams that uh, like to be proactive all the time and both would like to hit on the break when at all possible. I don't see a very high-scoring affair, but I'm going to go against you there. I just feel that uh, St Mirren might very well shade the game tomorrow and in a very low-scoring game. How's that? I'll go with you that way. But. <laughs> well, as you say, well, I wouldn't be surprised to see a low-scoring game, but as I say, I'm sticking my neck out. I'm going goalless straw, a board draw as well. Um, Celtic champions going for 10 in a row. Um, spoke to Jamie from 20 Minute Tims. He's very confident and bullish that Celtic will achieve 10 in a row this year. Um, they're playing Hamilton now. I, 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 we're going to come to predictions later, but as, as we speak now, I'm worried a wee bit about Hamilton now. I suppose people say this every single year, but for me, they lost Aaron McGowan to Kilmarnock, who I thought was one of their better players. They lost Gorgic to Hibbs, again, for me, one of their better players. And for, I just, I'm not convinced by their goalkeeping options at the moment. I don't see an established number one there. I think they're a centre-back short. And also at right-back, I think they need someone. I know Stephen O'Donnell's training with them at the moment, but they've said there's no chance he will he will sign. He's looking to go down south. But if I was there, I'd be offering him a one-month contract and saying, come in and do a job for us until you get your move. Good to take. I hope Big Brian Rice isn't he listening to this podcast tonight, Callum, or he'll not be able to sleep before the game. Uh, but we see this every season. The last three seasons I've done my early season predictions and uh, it's always been the same. I've always felt a little bit in the pit of my stomach for Hamilton Ackies because I live locally over there and I have a soft spot for them. So, And each of the last three seasons they've proved me wrong. Uh, and it'll be the same set of circumstances again this season for Hamilton. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be fighting from the bottom up. So it's always going to be a, a bit of a desperate situation. And they have a regular a regular turnover of staff at the start of every season. So it'll be nothing new to, to, to the club, to the management and to the supporters at Hamilton Ackies. But that's going to be happening to them again, you know. They couldn't have picked a better start to the season for themselves. I always felt that. I remember opening a season once when I played with Morton. We opened the season and we applauded Celtic onto the park as well. And you've got the big game, you've got the big day, you've got all eyes upon you at that time. Uh, and you really don't know until after the game exactly whether that was a good thing or not. But at least it's there and it helps. And I, I believe it does help in the preparation for Hamilton Ackies to be gone to Celtic. I haven't met a Celtic supporter in the last four months. haven't met very many because of lockdown. But every Celtic supporter I meet reckons that they're going to win 10 in a row anyway. Uh, so there's no, there's no great difference to that. Uh, I think Celtic are strong going in this season. Uh, they've added to it again. They've added to the squad. And they've added a bit of quality around about. They've finally, I think, maybe solved the goalkeeping situation with the signing of the, the Greek goalkeeper this year as well. And I think they're still looking to bring another one in as well. So... Lenny will have them ready again. They understand what's going to be happening. They are champions. They know how to go about winning leagues. And I think they may very well, tomorrow, eh, sorry, on Sunday, they may very well be too strong if they play at the tempo that Celtic need to play to be successful. And I think they've done that at Celtic Park over the years. And they'll be expecting to do that again tomorrow. Eh, sorry, again, I'm getting mixed up because of the games. It's Sunday. Eh, so... I'm expecting Celtic to win it. I am, quite comfortably. But the wee man in the back of my head is saying, just don't beat Hamilton Ackies by too much. <laughs> and in terms of Celtic this season, we talked about Alfredo Morelos. It looks as if Celtic are going to hold on to Odson Edward. There's rumours that he is going to sign a new contract. You would fully expect there to be a release clause potentially put into that contract so that if he has a successful season and the club do, they can both part company at the end of the season, being happy with what each other have given um, to the cause. But how crucial is it that he stays fit? Because the, the jury's out again, you could say on Lee Griffiths. Neil Lennon talked about his fitness, albeit he's now said he's up to scratch. Klamala and Bio, for me, aren't at the level of Edward or Griffith. So how crucial is it that he stays fit? Yeah, very crucial. Even although you brought players in, uh, 
in those forward areas, you would want to try and ease them in, if at all possible, and ease them in from a winning situation. Because there's enough pressure changing from club to clubs anyway for strikers, especially at this time of the year, that you would like to do that as the season rolls along. And Edward's such a big, big player for Celtic Callum. He's a, you know, he, he, is, the, he is the top striker. Uh, supported the last season by, by the likes of Lee Griffiths. But he, he'll be very, very important. His general play has improved consistently throughout the time he's been at Celtic. And his goal scoring's never really been any great doubt at all. So he will be the number one striker. You know, I, I, I laughed a few weeks ago when, when they were talking about Lee Griffiths and he'd, he'd, you know, he'd come back a little bit overweight, I think, for the, for the start of pre-season training. You know, 100 years ago when I played football, everybody did that, Callum. And it took a wee while to get back into the swing of things. It didn't seem to stop the players concerned. They were able to get up to speed pretty quickly. And I'm sure Lee Griffiths will be able to do that as well. The other two new young boys might have to sit and wait their chance. And if Edward and Griffiths do what they've been doing before, the chance might be a bit later in the season before it comes along. But he's very important to them. But again... Now that they've put this, I keep going back to it, Calm. Now they've put this transfer window up until I think it's October the 5th now. These things will always be flying round about because there'll always be clubs looking for the Morales and the Edwards up here to add to their squads, wherever they might be in Europe or the world. They give them goals. And that's always high in the list of priorities for football clubs. So we'll always have this. Every agent in the world will fly a kite as far as that's concerned for their players at that moment in time. And if Edward starts the season well and gets through to the first day in October and has a few goals against his name and Celtic are flying, you'll find that people will come along when that money's available and try and buy odds on Edward and Morales. That's just the way of the world and the way of football now. Uh, but tomorrow, uh, Sunday, I think, well, I think we'll get a few goals. But my heart says not too many. <laughs> the last game of the weekend is on... Monday night, um, Ross County are hosting Motherwell. Motherwell under Stephen Robinson, very impressive last season. And of course, how impressive is it that he's staying at the club? Because a lot of people, to be honest, expected him to go either to Northern Ireland or even down to the English Championship. But he's, he's, he's staying yeah. as, as it is at the moment. Ross County have the wee bit of change in the background. Stephen Ferguson's now moved up to be... The, the CEO of the club, which means Stuart Kettlewell is now managing the club on his own. Um, Don Kerry's now in the coaching staff as well. So a wee bit of internal change at Ross County. How do you see this game going, Andy? Well, I was really pleased that, uh, for Mullow supporters, and a few of them live round about me locally there as well, that they were very keen that Stevie Robinson, Robinson stayed at Mullerwell. Uh, and I could see their point of view. But at that time, I thought, well, no greater accolade than to, to, to be able to to get the job of managing your own country. Uh, so he must have been very keen himself to put himself forward for that and to go through the, the process of, of being interviewed for the job. But I know the type of guy that he is, Stevie Robinson. He'll have put that behind him now. Northern Ireland will go along and take care of itself. And Stevie Robinson has a job to do at Motherwell. And I, I, the job that he's done previously is, has been of a very high standard at Motherwell. So he'll hope to continue that, being the type of guy that he is. I'm quite excited about Motherwell again this season. They've, uh, they've fairly punched above their weight the last couple of seasons, and I'm sure he'll be hoping that that'll continue again this year. I see that their season ticket sales have, have risen as well, so there's been a good bit of interest out there at Motherwell. There's been a turnover of players. Uh, the staff's still consistent, so they'll still be getting the same message across. And I'm looking forward to watching Motherwell play a few times this season. I can actually get there within five minutes in my own place, so it means that it's a, it's a short stop for me. Change from the background at Ross County, you can never be sure in football how that's going to work. You know, it may very well look great on paper, it may very well be the thing that people require and not work out the way it should. And the only way you know that is half a dozen or eight games into the season, you just find that the change has maybe been too much or too little, whatever way you want to look at it. This game, will, this game will be another cracker as well. I think this will be a good game up there. They've had high scoring. When I checked back, and when I did my stats here this morning, Cal, I see that they were all high scoring games that they had last season. And I'm hoping that that'll be, that'll be the same uh, tomorrow. And I think we may very well have our first Desmond 
2-2 of the season. I think it'll be a draw up there and uh, it'll be a scoring draw for you guys who are doing uh, my predictions of Coral's mighty football coupon this year. Well, it's, it's a game, as you've rightly said, that I think will have goals in it. And it's just great to have the football back. I'm going to slip my neck out and back Motherwell. I think Motherwell will just have enough to get over the line against Ross County because I think with the momentum they had last season, they've brought Jake Hasty back in. Turnbull's fit again. I, th- I back them to win the opening game and make a good start. But <laughs> if it is a Desmond, I wouldn't be surprised either because the opening day always throws up plenty of surprises. Now we come, Andy, to, to the dreaded part of the show where we have to stick our necks out in the line and, and, and make the big calls, but it's, it's what we have to do. So, first of all, who do you think will win the league this year? Who will be the champions come what may? Yeah, well, when I usually sit down with my uh, crystal ball at the start of every season before I mark in what I'm going to bet to win leagues, uh, it can be difficult. They always start with Scotland, they always start with the Premier League, and over the last four or five seasons it's been relatively easy I move on to number two very quickly I think Celtic will win the league this year Callum but I don't think they'll win it in the same manner as they have done over the previous few years Uh, there'll be a lot of clinging on to coattails between the two of them this year there's always great rivalry the games are always well contested meaty affairs and uh, you can never, anybody that bets in an old firm game must need their head looked at any time anyway. And I imagine all that will go ahead again. But I just fancy Celtic's squad is too experienced and too strong and has been for the last few seasons. And I think that will continue. But I don't think there'll be a gap this season. I know it was said last season, but I still felt last season that Celtic would win the title by double figures. I don't think they'll win the title by double figures this year. Rangers will be a lot closer. They'll be a lot more committed to what they're doing. They'll be driven on by the necessity to stop the 10 in a row as far as Celtic's concerned. And uh, this is going to be one roller coaster of a season if you're a Celtic or a Rangers fan. So buckle in and get on board for the ride. I'll back, yeah. I, I, I back Celtic to win the league because one of the crucial things that sometimes I think people forget is I think if Celtic are behind Rangers come January, I think Peter Law and the Celtic board, maybe not, not something they want to do, but I think out of necessity they would throw a bit of money at it to try and salvage it because they know how much it means to the fans. So I think there's still time to go in this transfer window. But also if Celtic do go behind, I think the finances will be there to ensure that they can get some added quality should they need it to, to, to win this league. Well, that, that would probably be the logical way of looking at it, you know, because Celtic are always claiming to have this massive war chest that's been achieved through playing Champions League football over the last few years, and that would be available to them. But these are strange and scary times we've lived through, and clubs are screaming all over the place, and Rangers and Celtic will not be any different to them about finances, Callum. Uh, so I would think they will set out their squad, and with a transfer window, being as late on again this season, that it might not be as relevant come opening if they do open back up again or whether they close the transfer window and don't open it again. Celtic will still find themselves because of previous having a stronger squad. Uh, and, and that's the thing. Plus the quality they have in the squad as well. They've proved that over the years and being driven on by the likes of Callum McGregor and Scott Brown in the middle of the park. They, they will prove, I think they will prove, too strong for, for Rangers. But Rangers won't go down lightly with all this. They will want to keep this going. They will want to keep the pressure on Celtic from now when we're starting in August right through until the end of the season. So there'll never, there'll never be any opportunity. And I remember the time, as I mentioned before, at my time of working with Vim Janssen, Celtic were trying to do exactly what Rangers were trying to do, stop a long run of title wins to their opposition. And I know the effect that it had on Celtic players, the club, and the supporters at that time to do that, to stop that from happening. And that will be the very same situation that Rangers, the club, the management, the players, and the supporters will want to put on their their situation as well to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, So, yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it as I said before, double-figure points. But I see it Celtic because of their strength, 
and they've been over the course before under these circumstances. Uh, it'll be interesting, Cal. It certainly will be. We both agree that, that Rangers will be the, the runners-up this season and it will be a lot closer. But when it comes to third place, Muller will finish third last season. Aberdeen are normally the team under Derek McInnes, who lots of people see as the favourites to be third. I'm going to stick my neck out in the line. I'm going to back Jack Ross and Hibbs. I just think we're pre-season under their belt with Jack Ross and with some good additions and Dre Wright, Gogic and a few others on the way. I just think this will be the year that Hibbs finish third and Jack Ross gets them back to where they at least want to be. Hey, we've agreed. We've agreed on something, Cal, have we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hibs are, Hibs are going to be my dark horses as well for, for third place this season. Uh, I just feel that there's something, there's something in the air at, at Hibernian this season for me. Uh, I know, as I said before, their attacking options are, are, are better this season, which will help throughout. But I just got the feel that this might very well be the season where Hibs come alive in the Premier League. They promised so much after the, the Cup win with Rangers and things were going to change and we're going to see new things happening at, at, at Easter Road. But I just feel like yourself that uh, this might be their season now. To break the monopoly that Aberdeen have had over the last few seasons on that third place spot, uh, and I'm expecting big things for Hibs this season. That might be the kiss of death to them, Callum. Me and you have agreed. It could be, and that's something that they're going to have to deal with. They only, they only to deal with the pressure and the expectation that will come with having a strong pre-season and having a manager in Jack Ross, who so many in the game think highly of. It's now time for that dreaded, dreaded one. Relegation. I'm going to let you go first because I'm scared to go first. <laughs> Well, as I said earlier on, you know, it's, it'll start off and everybody's spot pick will be Hamilton Ackies. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Hamilton with the budgets that they have over there and uh, the situation that they find themselves in every season, seemingly fighting for their life, even early on in the season. But they've been over the course before. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm going to have to hedge my bets a wee bit here with you, Callum. And I don't know whether it's my heart again ruling my head. I'm going to say there's going to be a a fight at the bottom between St Myrne and Hamilton Ackies this season to accommodate themselves in the bottom of the Premier League this year. Uh, I really don't see much of a gap between those two this year. I think both teams may very well find it a little bit more difficult than usual. All the odds will be against Hamilton, there's no doubt about that. But I'm not going to split my bets on this. Let me hedge it and say that it will be between Hamilton Ackies and St Myrne for the bottom spot. I would agree it'll be between those two. And as we speak today, I think Hamilton, this will be the year they do go down. However, as you've referenced a few times in the show, the transfer window's open until October. Things can change and strange things can happen. So at the moment, I'm saying Hamilton. But if they can get a few additions, then I wouldn't be surprised if it's St Mirren. So I agree with you that it'll be one of those two. And as we speak at this moment, I'm going to, I'm going to say Hamilton for now, but I'm willing to change that and probably give them the first eight to ten games before I really make up my mind, which is a bit of a cop-out, but, but there we have it. Sensible move, my friend. Sensible move. And in terms of the, the season, the last question I've got for you, we've made the predictions, we've talked about the games. Who are the players you're most looking forward to seeing? Maybe some of the players that, that don't normally get the headlines who you're really excited to see back playing week in, week out. Uh, running through all the teams. Dundee United, Lawrence Shankland. I'm really interested to see how he does and whether he's able to keep up his goal ratio as well. St. Johnson, relatively new full squad, so I'll look at them with the same eye across a lot of them and look for new. Maybe Stevie May, hey? Stevie may very well do a turn this year and get back to the goal-scoring ways that he had before. Uh, Hibs have got a lot of new players. Looking forward to a lot of them. Uh, and I'll be looking forward to the, the, the forward-thinking players. I think there's enough up front now to make sure that Scott Allen has enough to hit. So that might mean that they've got more goals in their locker this year. Kelly. Kelly will be what Kelly are. They'll be a team individuals in Kelly's team, you know, don't tend to shine as much as the actual team spirit and the organisation of the whole thing. So they'll be able to do that. Uh, Motherwell, I'm looking forward to the new players that they're bringing in as well. Uh, they brought a couple back on loan. They'll take, they, usually at Motherwell, players don't take too long to settle in. 
I'm looking forward to seeing young Turnbull back in again. I'm really, I'll go over a couple of times and see how he's doing. He's a football player. He does well with the wee boy, McLean in the middle of the park as well. They might be the difference between Motherwell having the season they had last year and a very good season this year. But it'll be great to see young David Turnbull back playing again after, after what happened in, in, uh, previously. So between all those teams, they're the type of players that I'll keep an eye on. But as always happens, there's always one or two that come through that catch people's eye that you maybe didn't take on board previously last season, especially amongst the young players, another year under their belt. Uh, and that's, that's why we go to football, Callum. You see the new stars, not only the older ones. You know, Celtic will be driven on by Callum McGregor again, as I said, and Scott Brown in the middle of the park. They'll do what they say on the tin again. Uh, so all these things. Not only meeting the new that's coming through for next season, It'll be, it'll be good to see the old again after the previous six months that we've had, Callum. It certainly will be. It's going to be an exciting season. Um, regardless of what happens, there's just so much drama in Scottish football week in, week out, whether it's on the park or off the park. And I'm sure this season will be no different. We're both I think as for- well, Callum, just to round it up, it'll be a big season, not only for all the teams and all the players, but it'll be a massive season for referees and officials this year. God bless them and good luck. <laughs> what a way to end the show. Totally agree. God bless the referees and good luck. We'll see you next time.